I saw a tweet um, this week that said a lady went to the shop, uh, went, uh, bought her shopping online, and uh, when it arrived, there were no daffodils that she'd ordered. And so she phoned the shop and got a refund uh, and then discovered them in the fridge because her husband thought they were spring onions. So we're continuing our series uh, on everyday supernatural uh, and we're going to be looking at miracles. Uh, now I think there are sort of two uh, types of miracle uh, in the Bible. There are those that we are encouraged to pursue. So things like uh, seeing people saved, healing the sick, casting out demons, raising the dead. They're the things that, that we are encouraged to do. Now I know we don't actually do the miracles, God does them, but we're encouraged to pursue that. It's part of what the disciples were sent out to do, it's part of the great commission that we receive and we've sort of talked about those things before as part of this series, but there's a whole another bunch of miracles that we find in the Bible that are holy in God's domain. And he just does them sovereignly. He may choose to use us, or he may not. And it's that sort of miracle that we're going to be looking at this morning. Now, did you know you are amazing? Did you know that? There's, there's some doubt in faces I see around the room. Uh, a few nods, but not many. Okay, I, I'm going to demonstrate it, and Nathan's going to help me. So I'm going to, in a moment, I'm going to ask you to do something, and Nathan is going to time on his stopwatch how long it takes. Okay? So, are you ready? I want you to do this as quickly as you possibly can, and Nathan is going to time you. So as soon as I finish telling them what they've got to do, you and then as soon as you see it done, all right? Okay, you're going to have to be quick. So, are you ready? Raise your hand. How, lo how long was that? Um, 81, like, milliseconds. Right, so, l well, less than a second. That is, thanks, Nathan, that's brilliant. That's it, very good. That is, that is amazing. Less than a second. It took you to raise your... Do you not think that's amazing? There's still some doubt around the room. Let me explain what's going on. When I spoke, I created audio waves that spread out across the room and they were captured by your ears, the outer ear, the bit on the side of your head, you know, the sort of satellite dish. I'm not saying anything about your ears, please don't get me wrong. Um, and they capture those sound waves and they channel them into your ear canal and they send them down to the eardrum and the eardrum starts to vibrate and that vibration causes three tiny little bones in your ear to move and that motion causes fluid in your inner ear to move and that movement touches and affects tiny little hair-like cells in your inner ear. And they're in the area called the cochlea. 
and depending on whether their which hairs are affected determines whether it's high, medium, or low frequency, and the amount of movement determines the volume. And those cells generate nerve impulses that are sent through the auditory nerve to the brain. Now, when I say sent through the nerve, it's not like an open pipe where water gushes down. The auditory nerve is made up of millions of tiny little cells, and those impulses are like uh, electrical signals that go to, into one cell as it opens, and it goes into the cell, and it closes, and then it goes across the cell, and it opens again, and the next cell opens, and it goes into that one, and so it goes on all the way up your auditory nerve until it gets to the brain. Now, when it gets to the brain, the brain converts those signals into understanding by comparing it with this huge database of signals that it's accumulated over your lifetime, and it identifies it as an instruction. And it goes, oh, is that Kevin again, asking stupid things? And in that moment, it pauses to decide whether or not to respond to the instruction. And it sort of throws up its hands and goes, all right. And having responded positively, it then sends loads of signals down the spinal column to nerves in your body. And it's a bit like sending a truck, a load of trucks up the M1, each with a different instruction to leave at a different exit. And those signals go down the nerves and they're transferred by synapses into, your, into muscles in your arm and your shoulder and your side. And some are told to contract and some are told to relax. And that is how your hand rises in the air. And it all happens in milliseconds. Now do you think you're amazing? Isn't that remarkable? I, don't, I, th I think it's stunning. Absolutely amazing. Anyone plan to go on holiday this year? I see the Millses here. They're on holiday all the time <laughs> from their Facebook. <laughs> Some of you don't know them, but, you know. <laughs> Sorry to embarrass you. Though. So if you've got plans to go on holiday, shout out a few places where you're going. Normandy, lovely. Mallorca. Portugal, nice. Bogner, very nice. Yeah, excellent. Now, you know, what you've done in planning, you've, we've worked out when would be appropriate in your diary to be able to do that. You've looked at who you might go with. You've looked at where you're going to go, where you're going to stay, how long you're going to stay there, how you're going to get there, whether you're going to go by car or ferry or plane or a combination of those, and you've worked out how long you're going to be there, and you've looked at when you're going to get back because all the things you've got to do. It's amazing that not only can you lift your hand in the air, but you can plan things. You can work out what you need to do when and organize it. Has anyone uh, written a poem or a story or, or maybe um, something else that I can't remember? Um, oh, yes, a song or, or written some music. 
or perhaps uh, done craft uh, and been creative in that way or had an idea at work that has changed things for the better. I heard a story uh, just this week of a guy called Brian Bjornsgaard who has uh, created what he calls a digital boiler and he's working directly with Exmouth District Council and, and it's about the size of a washing machine and it's filled with data centres, so computers that are working uh, as part of the, the internet uh, that, you know, we, we talk about stuff in the cloud. It's not really in the cloud. It's in computers spread all around the world. And these things generate heat. So he's, he's got them in there. He's sealed them up. He's filled it up with mineral oil. And then using a heat converter, he transfers heat to the Exmouth Leisure Centre swimming pool and heats it to a temperature of 30 degrees for 60% of the time. Isn't that remarkable? And he's working with seven or eight different councils around the country, and they think it'll just be rolled out to all swimming pools in the country. In fact, think of the saving of that. It's just one idea, absolutely remarkable. Now, being able to move and making plans and being creative is amazing. But, you know, what's amazing about it is that we just use the raw materials that we are given. You know, we don't create the things in the, to start with. You know, however good a hundred, the fastest 100-meter runner in the world, you know, maybe training for hours every day over a period of years in order to be the fastest, but he didn't create the muscles in the first place. God did. And we are amazing because God is amazing. And he, we are like him. So just as we move, he moves. And he's not uh, constricted by time and space like we are. And he makes plans. And he doesn't just do, you know, holiday plans for this year and all the other things that we include in our planning. He, he plans for the lives of people all around the world in every generation so that they interact at just the right times to encourage and to pursue his plans and not just in that moment but so that the roll-on effect through generations achieves what he wants to achieve. That is our God who does this sort of planning and our God is created, creative. He, he spoke a word and the universe came into being. Now, I know we've heard that before but I find that remarkable. You know, I read just this week about uh, the, the, the furthest object found in the universe, in space. And it's creatively called HD1. Um, and it's 13.3 billion light years away from Earth. Now, a light year is the distance that light takes to travel in a year. Now, light travels at 186,000 miles per second. 
So the distance it travels in a year, you have to go 186,000 times 60, times 60, times 24, times 365, and that's how far light goes in a year. And it's 13.3 billion times that. And that's how far away this is. And God created the universe with a word. This is our amazing God. He creates out of nothing just by his word. And everything he creates is mind-blowingly beautiful, complex, huge and minute and everything in between. This is our God and he is amazing. But let me tell you, if you're God, that's not amazing, it's just ordinary. It's just what you do. You're good. That's what you're able to do. Just like you were very able to put your hand in the air. You didn't even think about it. Well, you did think about it, but not for very long. You just did it. And God is able to do amazing things because he is good and it's ordinary for him. Now, why am I making such a point about this? Because when we're thinking about miracles, it's so easy for us to think this is impossible. This can't possibly happen because we can't do it. It's impossible for us. But God, it's ordinary for God. It's just straightforward. And so when we think about miracles, we need to change our thinking from this is really difficult for us to this is really easy for God. Now let's look at a few miracles in the Bible and I think they fall into four main categories and they are provision, protection, demonstration and encouragement. Now there may be others but you could probably force them into those four categories and I want to look at four different miracles that God has done which are ones that he has just done sovereignly. So provision and I've picked on Feeding of 5,000. I could have picked on loads. Uh, and I'm not going to read all the verses. The, 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 the reference is up there. And we know the story that uh, Jesus had been teaching all day. There was about 5,000 or more people. And he said to his disciples, let's give them something to eat. What have you got? They said, we've got five loaves and two fish. And the disciples are thinking, what are we going to do with that? And Jesus says, Father, will you bless this food? And then he gives it to the disciples and the disciples give it to the people and the people eat and there's baskets full gathered up at the end. Now, we don't know when that miracle occurred. We don't know whether it was when Jesus prayed to God. We don't know whether it was when he gave the stuff to his disciples. We don't know whether it was when the disciples gave it to the people. But we know that sometime in that process, there was a remarkable miracle of provision by God. But the interesting thing is that Jesus didn't feed all the people in Israel throughout his life. This was a sovereign miracle of God and a miracle of provision. Looking at protection, and I, I love this. I think this is such a wonderful story. Um, this is uh, from Luke 4. And the, the occasion is that 
Jesus had taught in the temple and he'd read from Isaiah, the spirit of the Lord is upon me. And he sat down and then he explained to the people and there was interaction and he started to talk about things that began to enrage his hearers. And this is what it says in Luke 4. And all the people in the synagogue were filled with rage as they heard these things. And they got up and drove him out of the city and led him to the brow of the hill on which their city had been built in order to throw him down the cliff. But passing through their midst, he went his way. Isn't that that remarkable? So, you know, it wasn't just an accident that this crowd of people who were determined to kill Jesus suddenly lost track of who it was that they were wanting to throw over the cliff. No, just in that moment, God intervened and Jesus just walked away. Can you imagine how that crowd felt? Who, where, who's, where's he gone? What happened to him? How did he get away? It was your fault. No, it wasn't. It was your fault. You're just remarkable. But he just walked away. But God didn't always protect Jesus in that way because three years later, a crowd did grab him and they did take him and they did put him on a cross and they did kill him. Just as we heard earlier. God sovereignly intervenes. Miracles demonstration demonstration of his power and we're going to drop into the old testament for this one uh, where elijah encounters the prophets of baal and he he challenges them to a burn off and this has been a uh, a period of drought and elijah and god are fed up with the way that israel is turning away from him and turning to baal as their god and savior And so uh, Elijah says, okay, I've got these two calves. Uh, I'm going to challenge you to take one of the calves, to sacrifice it on your altar, but don't burn it because you can ask your God to send the fire. And the prophets of Baal said, yeah, yeah, and that's no problem. And they sacrifice the bull, they put it on the altar, and they cry out throughout the whole day, and nothing happens. And Elijah says, okay, you've had your chance. He takes a calf. He's sacrifices it he puts it on the altar and then he says right let's chuck a load of water on it no no let's chuck more water on it no no it's not enough let's chuck more water on it so there's water everywhere and this is what it says answer me O lord that this people may know that you O lord are god and that you have turned their heart back again Then the fire of the Lord fell and consumed the burnt offering and the wood and the stones and the dust and licked up the water that was in the trench. When all the people saw it, they fell on their faces and they said, the Lord, he is God. Amazing. And that's God's sovereign intervention in that moment. But you know, The enemy of God has not been humiliated in that way in every generation since. God sovereignly chooses to step in on certain occasions to show his 
power. And uh, miracles of encouragement. And again, there are many, but I'm going to choose one that came just after the feeding of the 5,000. And Jesus, at the end of the day, he sent the disciples on ahead of him across the lake while he spent time quietly praying with his father. And during the night, as the disciples were going across the lake in the boat, a storm comes up. And you know, these guys, they're not great with water and, and boats and storms, are they? They got a bit frightened. And so Jesus, in the middle of the night, comes to them walking on the water. And we know the story, how you know, Simon gets out the boat and walks on the water and so on. And that's the bit that often is, is focused on with this story. But I want the next bit, which is what happens when Jesus has picked Peter up out of the water. It says, when they got into the boat, that's Jesus and Simon. When they got into the boat, the wind stopped. And those who were in the boat worshipped him, saying, you are certainly God's son. And, you know, it's, it's just a, a moment of sovereign encouragement. Here are the disciples. They've seen an amazing miracle, and there they are on the boat, again, doubting, fearing. And Jesus comes to them, not only walking miraculously on the water, but the moment he steps in the boat, the storm ends. And God intervenes just for their encouragement. Now, what can we learn about these different miracles? Well, I think the first thing we learn is that they are there for a reason. And we're told at the end of John's Gospel what that reason is. He says in uh, chapter 20, Many other signs or miracles Jesus also performed in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book. But these have been written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you may have life in his name. That's the purpose of us knowing and experiencing miracles of God that we believe that he is God and that we can have life in his name. That is the transformation effect that we have when we know Jesus. And if these are miracles that God sovereignly intervenes into our lives occasionally, we should have evidence of them. Uh, and I'm going to share some from our own personal experience. So, Four weeks after Liz and I were married, we were leading the youth group at Whiteleaf Church just up the road. We took them swimming on a Friday night. I dived into the shallow end, hit my head on the bottom, cut open my head and fractured my skull. And it didn't have too much effect on me. <laughs> you're, you're slower than I am. <laughs> Around the same time in America, a young lady called Johnny Erickson was with her friends at the beach. She did almost exactly the same thing. She dived into the sea, hit her head on one of the wooden groins, broke her back and has been in a wheelchair ever since. And I say, why me? 
why am I? Why did I not die? I could have died in that swimming pool. I could have been in a wheelchair ever since. And I say, why me? I don't know. But I believe that God sovereignly protected me in that moment for his own 